Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we get started, I just wanted to say, remember, if you ever want to share your story, you can send it at southerncannibal.com. Without any more further interruptions, let's go ahead and get started. And remember to always stay hungry. The story happened about five years ago when I was a cheerleader in high school. I hadn't thought much about it in a while, but now I'm a cheer coach for the same high school that I went to, and we went to a game in the same location the other night, and the bus driver said, Hey, do you remember that night? To which I replied with, Of course I do. That was a really terrifying night. So I thought I would come here and tell the story. So when I was a junior in high school, I was on the cheer squad with about 10 other girls or so and our coach. It was a regular Friday game day just like any other. We were at school anticipating the game that night, excited as could be. It was an away game in a town about 35 minutes away from our school. The day was totally normal until chatter started running through the school that someone had released a bomb threat on the school we were going to play that night. The news was vague. We were unsure if it was that day or earlier in the week. We didn't know if the game was canceled or still on. Then we found out that the boy who made the threat was the ex-boyfriend of a girl I cheered with. I'll call her D and we'll call her XC. C had made the threat but wasn't in custody. The police knew it was him and they were looking for him, but they hadn't yet found him. They decided to keep the game on to try and catch him just in case he showed up at the game. Then after school we get on the bus and we're on our way to this game and then D gets word that he's threatened her and the cheer squad specifically. Death threats. We're all freaking out and we had no idea what to do. We had stopped to eat at McDonald's and two officers pulled up in a police car. They then explained to us that they were going to escort us to the field. They also said that no matter where the cheerleaders, our coach, and our bus driver went that night, we had to have a police officer with us. So we leave McDonald's, and we have a police escort to the field. We pull in, and we start to unload off the bus. Now I'm going to explain the layout of the field to help you understand the rest of the story. So we're on the visitor side, obviously. We have small bleachers, and they're like four seats high and about six sets of bleachers long. But the home teachers were grand stadium-like bleachers, blocky cement bleachers with a giant roof-like covering, a metal gate surrounding the whole track of the outside of the field except on the visitor side. And then behind the home bleachers, there was a thick woods line. So we go to our normal spot on the track in front of the bleachers. There was an officer posted near where we were cheering, an officer posted by our bus, and officers near the woods line in the back. We walked in a big group to the bathroom with an officer in tow. We huddled D in the middle of our little circle, so we pretty much cheered just like normal that night, acting as though everything was okay. During the end of halftime to like the beginning of the third quarter, I believe, there was commotion on the other side of the field. We hadn't seen or heard anything directly, but the news just kind of traveled around, you know? 
Someone that my mom knew was sitting in the home bleachers let her know that C had managed to make it onto the property and had actually been arrested. C and a group of other boys had somehow snuck into the property through the woods line, and they had various weapons, such as brass knuckles, knives, and guns. I'm not sure why, but C had went to the home side bleachers, and someone alerted an officer, and he was arrested along with the friends he had brought. They were then hauled off in a police car. It was an immediate sense of relief for all of us. The lady that messaged my mom actually took a picture of him being arrested. It was a really scary picture to see. He went to jail, but I'm not really sure how long he served. It wasn't nearly long enough. I think it was a year, but it's possibly even less. He's been out now for a long time. That night will never stop being terrifying. I really hope he knows what he put people through that night. He's now married with a child, and it still baffles me every day that he can just go on like a normal person after what he did. Thank God no one was hurt that night. I pray all the time that I never see him again. I believe I was about 13 when this happened. I'm a girl for context, and I would go to my grandparents' house some days after school. I can't remember how it happened. The year was 2013 and my mobile phone was a Blackberry. The little square ones if anyone's familiar. Anyways, this random number began calling me. It rang me three times in one evening but I ignored it. I just thought it was a scammer and phones weren't evolved to detect scam calls at this time. However, when I was in school, I'd take my phone out at lunch times and I'd have multiple missed calls, like 15 to 20 of them. My lunch in school was around 12.30 to 1.20 if I remember correctly. I'm almost 24 now, so it's a little hazy remembering it all. Well, it was really scaring me, so one day I had decided to answer and explain to the person that they had the wrong number. One day I called, and I answered and said this. I remember it was a male on the other end, and he sounded young, maybe 20s or something. I just said hello, to which he said hello back, and he started saying that he needed to talk to me. He had a thick accent, so it was a bit difficult to fully understand. I just told him, I'm sorry, but I don't know you. Please stop calling me. You have the wrong number. He said that he didn't, and that he needed to talk to me. I just freaked out and hung up, but he called straight back. He never texted me, just called. I was scared and uncomfortable at this point. From that day on, he phoned me even more. I'd get 30 calls a day from this guy. I had my phone on silent, and I was scared to tell my mom or grandparents. Well, one day I was at my grandparents and my mom was at work. I was talking to my granddad and I decided to tell him about the calls because it was just really making me uncomfortable. I felt like I couldn't use my phone without him calling me. I know that people must be questioning why I didn't block the number, and honestly, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that you could block numbers on Blackberry phones, so I don't know why I didn't. Maybe it wasn't a feature, or maybe I was just too young and clueless to do it, I don't know. 
My granddad told me to answer it the next time he called and then hand him the phone. When he did call again, I did this. My granddad stood up and then walked into the hallway out of the living room. He then said hello in a very firm voice and I heard speaking from my phone but I couldn't make out what the dude was saying. My granddad then said firmly and aggressively, Look, this is my granddaughter's phone. I'm her granddad. You better stop pestering her or I'm calling the police. Fuck off and leave my granddaughter the fuck alone. He stayed on the line and then said, I will call the police if you don't stop. Before then hanging up, he gave me my phone back and I asked what was going on. He said the man was asking to speak to the girl who'd answered him, and my granddad said everything he said. The man just kept begging to talk to me, to which my granddad just kept telling him that he'd call the police. The man phoned back, and my granddad answered again. This time though, he actually shouted. He told the man to never call this number again, or else he'd sling his balls from a hook on the ceiling. This seemed to actually do the trick this time as the man actually hung up and my granddad was triumphant. The guy never called again. To this day, I don't know who the man was, how he got my number or anything. I wasn't on social media and I never handed my phone number out to anyone. It was definitely odd and unsettling, but I'm very thankful that my granddad got rid of him. The summer I turned 14, I was sent to stay with my mom. My parents were in the middle of a custody battle, and the few months of summer got awarded to my mom. Her house was in a small Louisiana town on 15 acres, with the only grocery store being 20 minutes out. This was away from my friends, my home, and anything I found fun at 14. My mom isn't a great parent, and staying with her wasn't a ruling I agreed with. But my dad had no choice but to send me out the moment school had ended that May. I packed a bag and reluctantly began my stay. The moment I arrived, my phone, makeup, and any of my items that showed a part of my identity were taken away from me. I was given a room with a mattress on the ground, and I was told I couldn't leave unless I received permission, including the bathroom. Yeah, that was how my summer began and continued for the next three months. However, there were some days where my mom was in a good mood and had actually allowed me to go on walks. These walks allowed me to maintain my sanity. I'd take my mom's dog and we'd be walking for hours just to be out of the house. I wasn't allowed them frequently, so I really cherished that time. There was a small neighborhood right near my mom's that I'd make laps in. It was the only street without a dirt or rock road, so it became routine. I'd walk there about once a week if I was allowed. The problems arose about a month into my stay. My mom's house had planter boxes under every window and bushes around the perimeter of the home. She started to notice them being crushed and snack wrappers nearby. Given the house's separation from the road and the area it was in, there were no curtains, including in the bathroom. This happening was odd, but my mom didn't think too much into it. She was never that smart. I didn't care much. I had more to be concerned with, 
and I continued taking my walks when allowed. So that mid-June, I'd been out on a walk when a man in his mid to late 60s waved over to me. It was a small town, and he was out in his front yard, so it wasn't really odd for him to want to make conversation. I passed his house every time I walked, so I just assumed that maybe he started to recognize me and just wanted to say hi. He was very friendly, asking a lot about my mom's dog, and had eventually asked to take a photo for his mom. I thought that that was odd. I mean, this man was old, but I agreed just to try and end the conversation. I remember looking at my hands the entire time, just waiting for him to be done. I wasn't paying attention to where he was pointing his camera, and I really urge any young women listening to be more socially aware than I was. When he said he was done, I looked back up and tried to end the conversation and leave, but he just kept dragging it on and had started to make it more about me. At that point, the red flags were now raised, and I told him that my mom expected me back and I had to go. When I got back, I had told my mom that I talked to someone and had asked if she knew him. I didn't want to bring any weirdness up because my walks were my only freedom and I didn't want them taken away. She had never met him, and I dropped it and went back to my room, upset how soon my walk was over that day. A few days passed and my mom was in a really good mood that Saturday, so I was allowed to stay up at night and watch TV in the sunroom. This was the first time in over a month and a half I was actually allowed to not only stay up, but do something in the house without supervision. For anyone who doesn't know, a sunroom is a fully windowed room, and as a reminder, we had zero curtains. I was up until 4am watching TV, having snacks, and I remember it as the best day that I had that whole summer. When I couldn't stay up any longer, I went to my room, changing in my PJs, and then finally crawled into bed. The next morning, my mom woke me up for church, yelling about a chair being under my window. The house is on a raised foundation, so to see in, you need to stand on something, and we had a patio set beside the house. I promised her that it wasn't me, and the only reason she believed that it was is because the window doesn't open. We called the cops, and they blamed me, saying I was trying to sneak out. At this time, I knew something was wrong, so I just chose to be honest with my mom about the man I met and how he made me feel. I wasn't allowed to go on any more walks. To understand this next part, you need to know that it's a shotgun house. You can stand at the back door and see the front, and my room was right next to the back. I started to get woken up at night by the back door rattling. It wasn't a light rattle either. It was aggressive and loud. It wasn't the kind of noise you want to make if you're trying to break into a house. This happened three nights in a row until my sister brought it up once at breakfast. She had been hearing it too. I was really struggling with my mental health at the time, so I didn't know if it was really happening or not, which is why I didn't bring it up. My mom had sent my sister to stay at my grandma's for the next few days, and I stayed in the house with my mom. She put flour on the back patio that night, and flour on the doorknob just to see if it caught anything. That next morning, there were footprints everywhere, and the flour was wiped from the doorknob. We called the cops, and again, they did nothing. 
I really hope that anyone listening never has to deal with the Louisiana police. They suck. Luckily, soon after, my dad had received emergency removal for me from the courts, and he got to take me home again. Once he found out I was being kept in a room and not being fed, he received full custody, and my mom was only allowed to see me every other Christmas. And unfortunately, that included the following Christmas. I did visit her house that December, only for the day, which is important for later. The next June, due to unfortunate events with my dad, my mom received emergency custody of me. My mom and I were on better terms this time around, and she mentioned how in February a man pulled into her driveway when she was unloading her groceries and had asked about me. He apparently matched the description of the man that I met the one time the year before, and he was detailing how pretty and kind I was to my mom, asking where I'd been. He even said that my mom's dog went over to his house on Christmas. He lived streets away, and my mom's dog wasn't allowed outside that holiday. And most importantly, that man shouldn't have known where I lived. We firmly believed at that point that the man was responsible for everything that happened the year prior. I was only back at that house for a month before I moved with my mom to Texas, and I've never seen him again. I'm currently 22, but I was really curious about him last year, and I remembered his address, so I had looked it up on Google Maps. He was running a home security sales business out of his house. It has luckily since been shut down. So the story actually happened to my mom, so it's from her perspective. I was 17 and working at a coffee shop near my house after school. For context, me and all of my coworkers were females in high school or college. And for context on how my store looked, it had a big glass window to the outside, and right on the other side was parking lots, so when people pulled in, it was pretty hard to miss them. So I had worked there for like three months at this point, and I had about four to five shifts a week. So I was there pretty often, and normally everything went great, except for the occasional Karen. Well, about four months into me working there, almost every night the same car would show up, and it would literally just sit there in one of those spots right outside the window with their headlights on. They literally would sit there for like an hour, then leave. They never came inside. This continued for a while, which was super annoying because of the super bright headlights right on us, but we just assumed it was some inconsiderate dude spending his break there or something, until he came inside. It was a normal night, and we saw his car pull in. We rolled our eyes until we had heard the car door open and shut. We were all super scared until he came in, ordered, and then left. Me and my coworkers felt bad after realizing he was actually a nice, normal, middle-aged dude. Or so we thought. For the months that followed, he was back to his old routine of just sitting there with the headlights on and then leaving. It was at this point that my manager was aware, but unfortunately was only ever there in the daytime. Until this one night when she was actually there. He showed up again, and my manager decided to call the cops this time. Well, the cop showed up to his car window, and he was literally just sitting in his car jerking off watching us through the fucking window. When the cops told us this news, 
As you can imagine, we all felt very sick to our stomachs. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. I wasn't told anything about this guy, but I assumed he was locked up since he stopped showing up after that. But about three months after the incident, I was moving provinces, and sadly I had to give away my iguana. I had put up some ads for him and stuff, and someone was quick to answer, so I gave him my address and he came to my house. Well, my father had opened the door and showed him to my room, which is where my iguana cage was. And I kid you not, it was the same guy, now in my fucking bedroom. I was honestly too scared to do anything or even acknowledge that I knew it was him, so I just quickly talked about my iguana and I told him I'd call him if it worked out. And obviously I didn't give my pet to this creep, but I was so happy to be moving after knowing this creep now had my address. I'm still convinced that he somehow knew it was me and wasn't actually interested in the iguana at all. And I'm now a lot more careful about the personal information that I give out. What a fucking creep that guy was. Hey everyone, that's about it for today's stories. If you have your own story that you would like to send, you can send it in at southerncannibal.com. Or you can email it at southerncannibalstories at gmail.com. I look forward to telling your story. Have a good night or good day, everyone. And remember, to always.